Welcome to the Battleground Wisconsin podcast. My name is Matt Brusky, and I'm the deputy director here at Citizen Action, and welcome to another week from Wisconsin. We have our full panel, and that includes Jorna Taylor. Jorna is a political consultant here in Wisconsin. Jorna. Good morning. Yes, well, sort of. We'll get to that later. Matt. Robert Craig, executive director here at Citizen Action. Robert. Good morning, everyone. We actually have had a couple of podcasts in the most recent weeks where we have been talking about what to expect, what kind of things might happen now that Governor Walker is done running for president and we're sort of back to, quote, governing here in Wisconsin. And and so we've had lots of interesting conversations about what possibly might happen. And well, since we last recorded our podcast, we've had another giant sort of Wisconsin experience of terrible governing. And We've had a bill that was introduced, has already had a public hearing, as such as they are here in the state, around essentially ending the Government Accountability Board, uh, campaign finance, and massive, significant changes in voter registration. So we are lucky. We have a special guest this week who's an expert, certainly in this area, and that is Jay Heck. Jay is the Executive Director of Common Cause Wisconsin. Jay, thanks for joining us this morning. Great to be with you, uh, and thanks for inviting me to talk about uh, some pretty, pretty dismal issues that we're we're about to about, about to confront. Yeah, well, absolutely. So you're you've been focusing on particularly how you know our government operates, particularly around campaign finance, and and how is all this implemented. Give us a quick summary of essentially what what uh, was talked about in the public hearing and is about to be voted on today or exact on today in the assembly what what is what is all in this and what should people most be concerned about well you know just a week ago uh the republican majority in the wisconsin legislature uh, sprang a series of just incredibly horrible pieces of legislation uh it was expected that they would be coming along at some point but uh, without announcement without prior consultation with anybody uh, they held a press conference last week and just announced uh, that they were going to destroy the nonpartisan government accountability board, which oversees Wisconsin's elections, campaign finance, ethics, and lobby law. They were going to deregulate almost completely, well, actually completely, uh, any campaign finance law that we have here in Wisconsin, allow the free flow of secret money, and uh, most frighteningly, uh, permit coordination between candidate uh, campaign committees, i.e. Governor Walker, and outside special uh, interest groups that that do what's called issue advocacy, or more accurately, phony issue advocacy. Those are groups like Wisconsin Manufacturers and Commerce, Wisconsin Club for Growth. They also, uh, in, in trying to show how reasonable they were, put forward uh, legislation that would allow online voter registration, but at a, a significant cost and one that's really, frankly, not worth it, and that would be to uh, prohibit uh, citizens like like us, like the League of Women Voters, or, or really anybody who wanted to go out into the population and, and try to register voters. They're called special uh, election deputy registrars, I think. Uh, they, they don't want those to exist. Uh, so that, and that would, that would leave it, make it difficult for many, many other people uh, to get, to be able to register to vote, people in nursing homes, for instance. And then finally, uh, you didn't mention this, but next Tuesday on the floor, what we call uh, Democracy Deform Tuesday, they will uh, bring forth a bill that will 
essentially carve out a special exemption for politicians not to be investigated under Wisconsin's 145-year-old John Doe law, uh, which is the tool that was used by investigators to, to go after corruption, and which the former Milwaukee District Attorney E. Michael McCann has said, uh, had they not had that tool available in 2002, they never would have brought to justice um, the top legislative leadership of both parties in the legislative caucus scandal. So this is just the most incredible assault on democracy that we've seen concentrated in such a short period of time that I can remember in my 20 years here at Common Cause or my uh, my 30 years plus in, in Wisconsin politics. Uh, uh, very frightening. And it's all being rushed forward, fast-track. Uh, we didn't even see the legislation until last Friday, uh, a public hearing on Tuesday, a committee uh, action on it today, and then on the floor uh, next week. And it's uh, people in Wisconsin ought to be outraged by both the process and obviously by the content of this, of this incredibly horrific assault on democracy. Well, Jay, this is Jorna. Thanks for joining us today. Um, so in, in my work, I've really been engaged in election administration um, reform and advocacy for a long time. And I actually find the voter registration bill the most troubling for me and for the work that good progressive grassroots organizations are doing across the state. I think that it is incredibly, incredibly dangerous to compromise on this voter registration piece in light of allowing online voter registration for those folks that have a Wisconsin driver's license or a Wisconsin state ID. We are essentially ending the ability for groups like the League of Women Voters, the NAACP, the nonpartisan organizations that have been doing a huge service to folks all across this state and frankly, you know, all across the country in various states by helping people gain access to the polls. And I don't really think this compromise, this bait and switch. So we're going to get some online voter registration, which great. I'm not opposed to that. Um, but it is for the select few, well, the select that have an ID already. And we are taking away the ability of those folks who have traditionally been kept out of our process for so many other reasons photo ID, lengthening residency requirements and things like that. I'm actually um, fundamentally shocked that there has not been more outrage around this voter registration bill. You know, one of the problems is just the timeline. You know, as of last Saturday when I was speaking uh, before the League of Women Voters, uh, the details of the bill weren't completely known. And at that time, uh, the legislation that had been introduced had had uh, bipartisan support. There were a number of Democrats that's, that were on, on, board, on, on board with this. But what they didn't know at the time was that this provision about eliminating, um, you know, the special uh, deputy uh, registrars uh, had been inserted in the bill. And that's, that's just really the, the awful part of this whole thing. This was all concocted in secret. There was no input from anybody other than hyper-partisans. And, uh, you know, the minority party, the Democrats, were kept in the dark about every detail. It was, you know, great confusion. And this is all deliberately the case. This is, this is why they do things this way, so they can rush through. They even combined all these bills in one 
public hearing because they didn't want to hear criticism of the legislation in two public hearings and bad press on two days. So they, they put it all forward in one day. And let me just say one other thing about um, uh, the, the Government Accountability Board. You know, this was a bipartisan bill that had been passed or a measure that had been passed in 2007. It had the unanimous, unanimous support of every Republican in the legislature at the time uh, and every Democrat but two uh, who opposed it for, uh, for interesting reasons. But nevertheless, it was a bipartisan compromise to create an independent, nonpartisan overseer, watchdog, government agency. And the key to the, uh, the GAB legislation was to have an independent stream of funding to conduct investigations of corruption, the kind of corruption that we had in the Capitol in the late 1990s and early 2000s. And I was with Common Cause back then. And it was awful. And everybody agreed that we had to have six nonpartisan judges, that we had to have independent stream of funding for investigations. And as, as your listeners probably know very well, the main motivation behind changing this wasn't anything that the Government Accountability Board uh, did wrong or in terms of that they were charged with being partisan, they were charged with being you know, overbearing and all the rest. All of that has been repudiated by legislative audit reports, uh, which is in the Legislative Audit Bureau, as you know, is headed by two Republican legislators. So what it came down to was they didn't like the fact that the GAB authorized quite properly and unanimously uh, an investigation into possible illegal campaign coordination of Governor Walker's recall campaign in 2011 and 12 uh, with Wisconsin Club for Growth. And it was Wisconsin Club for Growth who's really been spearheading this attempt to get rid of the GAB. And one final thing I'll say about that, you know, of all the groups that have registered for and against this, the only group that registered for it was Americans for Prosperity, which, as your listeners well know, is the Koch brothers' front group in Wisconsin. There was no other organization or even individual that registered in favor of this legislation. So it really is horrific, and it will completely transform the GAB uh, into a partisan uh, organization that it is designed to fail. It's designed after the Federal Elections Commission, which is the most dysfunctional federal agency that there is. And uh, that's exactly what the authors of this legislation want to do. They want to have no oversight over elections, campaign finance, uh, and ethics in the state of Wisconsin. So, Jay, this is Robert, and I know uh, not all of your listeners may know this. You have a very bipartisan background. You have a bipartisan board. And so uh, I want your thought. I mean, there's no question that this is political payback, that the lesson here is don't investigate a Republican governor, uh, even with valid charges that were clear. If you, I mean, the, 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 there's evidence of clear violation of campaign finance laws as they existed. I would say this also has something to do with kind of a Republican charge to have complete control. They don't like any independent source of power, even if it's nonpartisan, even if it's supposed to be set out and just look at corruption. But I wanted to ask you, uh, if you could lead the listeners through, what would happen in the case of the uh, potential malfeasance that Governor Walker engaged in, that is campaign coordination, which essentially shredded any campaign finance limits or disclosure laws, in essence, um, 
in in the new environment with the gab with the new election board that uh, Kn- that uh, Vukmir and Knudsen would create, and without a John Doe law, uh, what would this look like in the future if a future governor um, engaged in in clearly illegal activity? Well, Robert, it's it's you're exactly right to tie all of this legislation together because that's exactly. I mean, Repub- the Republicans are very strategic, and and so what they've done, as you mentioned, is uh, they've taken the investig the independent investigative authority away from the Government Accountability Board. Uh, they've eliminated the impartial uh, judges that make the decisions with regard to the law and instead is, are going to entrust it to partisans. Uh, and then, of course, by, by exempting the uh, political corruption, basically uh, exempting things like uh, lobby law, ethics violations, campaign finance and election law, from the John Doe investigation, uh, they've saddled the, uh, they've, they've totally destroyed the ability to effectively investigate corruption. And then uh, the campaign finance law as well. What we'll see is uh, when this is signed into law, and Governor Walker's made no bones about the fact that he enthusiastically supports this agenda, uh, we will see uh, almost anything allowed, anything goes, will be a, 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 dere- a deregulated state. Uh, much like Texas, uh, which I think has no campaign uh, regulations at all. Uh, there are several other states in the country which have no campaign finance law, uh, and virtually anything uh, will go. And it will be, uh, and in terms of the money that will flow into the state, one of the big things, that, uh, big deals that, uh, uh, that Voss has tried to make is the point that this is going to lead to more transparency because by doubling campaign contributions, there'll be more disclosed money. Well, that's absolutely what he wants you to believe. It's ridiculous because uh, you're going to, you're not going to have all that many people of means that are going to want to give uh, money, uh, direct campaign contributions, if they can give even more money secretly to coordinate with that candidate's campaign. Why would you want your name out there uh, if you're a person of, of a lot of wealth uh, supporting a, a candidate when you can give unlimited money uh, secretly to an outside group that can then coordinate with the the candidate. So uh, the way they frame this entire package, obviously, is they call it reform, uh, they call it transparent, they call it accountability. It is the opposite of every one of the terms that they use, uh, and, and because of the rush, because of the, uh, the great speed with which this is being pushed through, uh, the public really doesn't have any chance at all to digest very much of it. I do want to tell you, though, that um, I'm, not, I, I'm not trying to paint a false picture in terms of the possibility of being able to stop this entire agenda from being uh, ratified by the legislature. but. The one thing with regard to the Government Accountability Board is that we do have 24 Republican legislators who voted for an independent, uh, nonpartisan GAB in 2007 who were still in the legislature. There are 12 in the state Senate, 12 in the Assembly. And so for them to vote for this Republican bill will require them to to repudiate the vote that they made in 2007. A lot of politicians don't like to uh, change their vote. Of course, what they'll say is, oh, things were different, the GAB didn't work, 
boss says this was a noble experiment that didn't work. Uh, but but the fact of the matter is that uh, I think the public gets that this is just for political advantage. And I also think that a lot of people uh, are going to be very suspicious when they see that partisans have been named to oversee elections and ethics rather than judges. And I don't think that makes sense to even the most conservative Republican who's trying to figure out whether or not uh, these groups are going to, or these, uh, the GAB is going to be an effective watchdog. So there, there are a number of Republicans in the, in the state Senate. We have to switch three of them. Twelve of them voted for it um, in 2007 when they were either senators or state representatives. Uh, so there, there is a, there's an outside shot, a chance in the, in the Senate that this could be stopped. And Jay, thank you for all your work on this. This is Robert. And I just want to point out as we close here that if you're talking about increasing the amount of money dramatically and you're talking about literally no accountability for, uh, for anything as far as who gave the money, what it was for, illegal coordination, which would essentially eliminate campaign uh, finance limits and, and transparency uh, of all kinds, you're essentially enabling bribery. Because we know that these large uh, expenditures, uh, uh, right-wing courts like to claim this is about the First Amendment. This is about buying influence. And so we really are headed towards the, uh, uh, the money in a brown paper bag day is just a more sophisticated uh, version and a lot more money involved. No question about it. Uh, they call it legalized bribery, uh, and that's exactly what this this collection of of bills that will be up on the floor of the assembly on Tuesday and then the state senate the following week uh, is. It codifies into law uh, bribery and corrupt and corruption. So, so we want to encourage following up on what uh, what you had to say there, Jay. Is people need to get involved right away. You need to contact your state legislators. Obviously, the Senate, we tend to think, is one that is where we could get people to flip, as, uh, as you pointed out. So make sure you call your state senator, even if they're not one of the targets. Right. They need to feel this pressure. And uh, for, for those of you listeners who are particular in Republican districts, it's very important that you call and, and, and that we put pressure on these folks and set this up as an election issue. Make sure that the public starts to get educated about what's going on. And Jay's absolutely right. Moving from a nonpartisan to an inherently partisan um, structure is not something that the general public is probably going to on its face just uh, assume is a good thing. So let's let's get out there and contact our legislators. We will have uh, information on our website as to, you know, if you don't know who yours are or need contact info, how you can get that information. Jay, if folks want to get involved in Common Cause, what do they need to do? Uh, you can call, unfortunately not collect, uh, area code 608-256-2686 or commoncausewisconsin.org, and we'd love to hear from you. Well, we want to thank you for taking the time to join us and uh, for being there, obviously fighting the good fight here when it comes to uh, transparent and open government. Thank you very much, and uh, keep on doing what you're doing, too, and uh, we will prevail in the end. Uh, we, we won't always be this dark, and people just can't give up. They just have to keep fighting. Well, great. Thank you, Jay. Thank you. So, Jorna, I don't know uh, if you have any more thoughts. I know specifically as it relates to the voter registration piece, I know Jay's an expert when it comes to the Campaign Finance and Government Accountability Board, but this this registration piece was a, was quite a shocker for us. And, you know, Citizen Action is one of those organizations who likes who thinks voter registration is critical, and particularly when we're reaching out to the disenfranchised groups in our communities, 
um, they are going to be most directly impacted by our inability to send folks out and you know send people out to get folks registered. Well, look, the only reason you do this is because you want fewer people voting. Let's be clear. So we have a party now that wants to win in an alleged democracy by suppressing votes. Absolutely. This falls right in line with all of the other GOP proposals that have kept um, putting up barriers to access to democracy, like photo ID, like lengthening residency requirements, like proof of... Um, residents for voter registration and things like that. I mean, you know, this is typical and there's not going to be, unfortunately, much we can do to stop it right now. What I don't understand is why we aren't pushing for universal automatic registration rather than continuing to try and keep people out of the process, except that, as Robert Atley points out, it's about having fewer people in the electorate and it is about continuing to disenfranchise those who most need to be brought back into our political process. So again, folks, make those calls. Let's get those contact and educate folks. They're, this hasn't gone through, and we need to make sure that the legislators know that they are being watched. Um, I do want to spend time talking about the Democratic debate, but before we do that, before we do that, we're going to do a little quick wrap-up on some other issues that have been going on at the state level. Um, and so there's two in particular. One is we have to talk about WEDAC. It's just, it's <laughs> unbelievable. I just... I think we made it a week. Last week, I don't believe we talked about WEDAC. I'm pretty sure we didn't. But okay, so this week... This week is an Onion article. Oh, yes, it is. It's almost... I, I wasn't sure it was true, but the good folks at WEDAC, and that would, by that I would mean the former CEO of WEDAC, actually went on a tour of a, of a, uh, a business uh, or a factory that didn't exist. And actually, equipment that wasn't equipment for the factory and actually wasn't working. And they still gave this, this, fine this really operation is money. It's an onion headline. Weda oh. gives money to non-existent company. I, I can see the above the fold top front page <laughs> of this. How do you how do you make this crap up? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So this this would have been CEO Jaden, who who at the time was in charge of Weedac and is now it's come out public as of this morning, and we record Thursday morning that um, this guy went on a tour of this Green Bay. I think it's called Green Fox or Green Box. Green, Green Box. Box, yeah. And 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 the thing didn't it wasn't even in operation. So Robert, I know I know you've been we've been following Weedac very closely. We of course have launched our economic accountability, uh, economic opportunity plan, which as its basis calls for the closure of WEDEC and actually having a having an agency that is accountable, transparent, open, and actually cares about creating good jobs. As fun as it is to look at WEDEC, we have to understand that this isn't just about mismanagement. This is about a fundamental flaw in how uh, the future economy of Wisconsin is pursued. They believe that handing out money to well-connected CEOs makes for a strong, good economy. And, of course, they're open to absolute fraud. I mean, this is along the lines of the movie The Grifters, where a fake, uh, where, where a fake business price is created, and also Spanish Prisoner, the uh, David Mamet film uh, with Steve Martin. So, literally, so, by the way, that's your weekend furlough from Robert. If you haven't seen The Spanish Prisoner... <laughs> or The Grifters. Or The Grifters. very good. They are excellent. So I like how uh, the former head of WEDEC, uh, Mr. Jaden, says that he remembers going on the tour <laughs> of the fake facility, and that he remembers telling them, telling his staff that they, we should be careful. Well, he then signed all <laughs> off. I mean, did he talk about what? <laughs> we should be careful. Factory to not tell the press. 
you mean you suspected there was something wrong and you still signed it off? Really? And so, I mean, it is unbelievable. What's also unbelievable is uh, where is the Republican Weed Act reform bill? Because if they believe in their philosophy, uh, if they believe Weed Act is just poorly run but has the right idea, then where is the reform? And Weed Act board meetings, none of the common sense measures being offered by Democrats, including the you have to create a net number of plus jobs if you're getting job creation money, Ridiculous. are being taken up. In fact, Weed Act is against those because, wait for it, it would, uh, it would discourage automation and robotics, which may be very good for a, com- for a CEO and a company trying to make profit, but how it creates jobs is another question, which WEDEC apparently doesn't care about because that's not what they're about. Let me repeat, they're not about creating jobs. They're about helping well-connected CEOs. And small businesses should be up in arms because they don't get this gravy train. This is only well-connected CEOs, most of whom make political contributions. Okay, So small business should be up in arms as well. So we're going to continue <laughs> watching the Weed Act train as it careens around because it's clearly off the tracks. Um, we want to talk about another issue, and, and that is the guns issue has, you know, obviously it came back onto the scene again and doesn't seem to ever want to go away. And so our Republicans immediately came out with a bill. So let's be clear, you can already carry concealed weapons on a campus, but that's not enough. We need to have them inside the buildings, in the classrooms, concealed carry. So they've introduced a bill that would allow this to happen. Jorna, I'm sure this is what these students have been clamoring for on the campuses. Gosh, I can't even be tongue-in-cheek about this one. It's because awful. this When are we going to actually engage in a real conversation about gun control and gun safety and not just pander about, oh, it's mental health and this and that? I mean, that's bullshit. I'm sorry. And we as a nation need to stop just being wimps about this and have a real conversation about how we stop these mass shootings and killings across the country. And I got nothing, but this is a ludicrous proposal. I mean, this defies any sort of logic that you could possibly come up with. I love the doubling down on uh, on kind of the bizarre NRA, you know, fantasy philosophy, which comes out of a... More guns equals less shooting. Out of a Western movie, it reminds me of what Ben Carson said after the tragedy in Oregon, which was, they should have rushed the gunman, that Ben Carson would have rushed the gunman. So he thinks he's Clint Eastwood or something, and everything's going to turn out great. I mean, it's unbelievable. And so it's unbelievable they would introduce this after another one of these mass killings, which are not necessary. These are the, these are the cost of our gun policy, and it's nothing to do with taking people's guns away. It's about reasonable regulation. So my nephew Delano, who volunteers at Citizen Action, is in high school. Should I, do I need to buy him an ankle holster for Christmas so he can defend himself from mass murderers? I mean, look, people say, you know, Guns don't kill people. People kill people. But people use guns to kill people. So we want to also point out that the Democrats, there are some Democratic legislators, have uh, introduced a bill or introduced a bill this week to at least try to change the debate and suggest that we ought to actually have a 24-hour waiting period and (laughs) we ought to have background checks, right? Oh, I know. Hey, hey, whoa there. But obviously it's... We're gl- it's good that they got out and at least started to lay a common sense of where you know pushing back in a direction Finally. we ought we ought to be moving in, but um, so 
it's just another crazy week, right? And and there's obviously more things, but we are going to move on because we have to we have to keep the show at a certain time limit, you know, not two hours long. So we want to talk a little bit about the Democratic debate. We've spent some time talking about the Republican debates, and they've certainly been sucking up all the oxygen. And so this week we had the Democrats go at it, and basically every Democrat that's in the race was up there. Jorna, you take the first crack at this. There's been a lot of discussion. Who won the debate? Oh, da 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 Back and forth. Did Hillary win? Did Bernie win? Or... Did no, Webb win? No I've been won. hearing Webb won. Webb. Didn't Webb win? Wow. Um, <laughs> I will say that my favorite thing that came out of the debate was the hashtag feel the chafe. <laughs> um, oh. Because Lincoln Chafee was, was in the debate. Um, it was a little awkward. And Jim Webb, I'm not even sure. There was a lot of whining about how much time he got to speak. Or he spent most of his time whining about not getting to speak. And then about how people threw grenades at him but um i don't want to i don't want to negate his um history in in service to our country so thank you senator webb um who won the debate <sighs> come on Jordan. i can't i mean look i'll be very clear that that i'm waiting for a candidate that i can wholly get behind and i know that's blasphemy right now to say as a you know democratic voter and as somebody who's worked in democratic politics and has worked on presidential campaigns, but I'm really still waiting for my front runner to come through. I think that Hillary put up a really great um, performance. I think that Bernie put up a really great performance. For me, they're still not my candidates. So so this is great, right? Jorna has said this before on the podcast that she's still undecided. What did you think was the strength of what Bernie did, and what was the strength of what Hillary did? Well, the brilliance of Bernie's performance, in my opinion, was to say that we needed to let go of the whole email thing. Yep. I mean, that was that was a shot heard around the world among Democratic circles, for sure, um, and frankly, among Republican circles. Um what does Hillary need to do? I mean, she's obviously, I think, the front runner and has been for a very long time, and she just needs to stay the course. I mean, look, she's the only woman in a field of dominant men for the most part, and she needs to continue to project this sort of calm, cool professionalism, unfortunately, right, as a woman, because we're going to get tagged as being hysterical and we don't know anything about politics and we're whiny and blah, 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 all these things, right? Which is also disappointing. The, the men up there had the stage cornered on whininess, so <laughs> I don't believe Hillary has to worry did. about that. <laughs> <laughs> and and I mean, everybody knows that that I have a soft spot for uh, those candidates that run for vice president. So, you know, I mean, my boy Martin O'Malley, he's good looking uh, yeah. and not so great on a lot of the issues. But, you know, I mean, <laughs> let's be honest, he's running for Veep. And, and I'm cool with that. Um, so I got nothing. Robert? Well, uh, as he was the mayor of Baltimore when The Wire was made, I think of The he Wire. The I think the, the wire. wire theme song <laughs> is his play. campaign theme song. Uh, Somebody did actually ask me when I said, I like Martin O'Malley. They said, you do know he's not actually the guy from The Wire, right? <laughs> Way yeah. down in the hole. Um, Tommy Carcetti. <laughs> so I actually, I have to be true to this. I There's a uh, progressive talk show, Jeff Sano's show, I go on. And uh, on the debate preview on that show, I predicted the candidate that attacked the ridiculous questions from the from the moderators in the, in defense of another candidate would be the winner and uh, Bernie did that so I think Bernie standing up because Anderson Cooper 
was like somehow shot up with some sort of, you know, attack drug or something because it was ridiculous, the questions he was asking. The the whole motivation um, on cable news now is to make news, right, to become players in it rather than actually having a, a straight debate on the issues. So that was the moment in the debate, and Bernie did it. I mean, Bernie was great on the issues, raising the issues directly. You could argue he yelled too much, and therefore he's going to appeal to the base and not to swing voters, but this is a Democratic primary. I think Hillary performed extremely well, but we need to bear in mind that probably this debate came much later than the Republican debates, giving them the full stage, because probably Debbie Wasserman Schultz was operating on the Clinton campaign's behalf and delaying the Democratic debates. Now, I've been saying for a while that Hillary needed to actually have debates to show what a strong candidate and an advocate she is. So this should have happened sooner. That was actually a tactical mistake not to have the debate sooner. But she's a serious person who is... Uh, who who knows issues and is very impressive on a stage. There's no question. And she spoke very well for herself. I think she was probably much more progressive in this debate than you would have been because of the Sanders campaign. So kudos to Bernie, whether Bernie can be the nominee or not, for raising the big issues. And I'm surprised Jordan doesn't think Lincoln Chafee didn't have a tremendous night. But uh. he, I feel like he was a little bit like Ben Carson when in some of the early Republican debates where you were like, oh, you're, you're still here? <laughs> but what's fascinating is, is that the media thought Clinton won, and there are all these headlines about Hillary dominates debate, and the polling says that Bernie Sanders won, which so, is hilarious. Well, I love that. I, that's, a lot of the media needs to stop trying to shape the news and actually just well, cover it. I'm, well, the not pundit, so the fast. Democracy is not so fast there, Doctor Craig. The polling is is not real polling, right? It's sort of snapshot polling. A lot of it is internet polling. Or but focus but, group stuff. But you're, a lot, yeah. a lot of like groups. That there were three different networks that had groups of random sample I, Democrat voters, and those groups thought uh, that Bernie won. Now I'm not I saying Bernie won into... outright or it wasn't very close. I'm saying these headlines that say Hillary dominates debate. Why are these yeah. being written by these idiot pundits? Oh, I, that I agree with, and <laughs> and I I actually wanted to talk about that. I wanted to talk about this fissure. Right between what sort of the pundits are saying and 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 Hillary and I think that's because Hillary did as I think both of you pointed out did well I think she yes. seemed in you know very presidential and so by definition I think there was a worry that she would do poorly and suddenly Biden would come in and the the full sweater would be pulled undone that clearly did not happen right and so in that so from a typical pundit pundocracy, whatever the word is. Pund- punditocracy. Whoa, whoa. Oh, my Lord, Matt, don't use big words. Come on. Didn't Mama tell you? It's a big word. It's oh, not in the Constitution. Yeah, well, anyways, whew, I'm <laughs> going to put that one away. But regardless, right, you, you see this difference, whereas Robert, I think right on, I actually think, and Jorna, you mentioned this, the moment of the debate was when he called out on the emails. And I think that that, it's not about necessarily just the emails or the specifics. It's about saying... And a lot of the people, both on the conservative and, and liberal side, stop talking about things that don't matter. Please talk about the core issues that matter. And I think, I think so in some ways, Bernie, who does come off as a bit shouty and curmudgeonly and all of that, that may not appeal broadly, that kind of authentic moment is something that may help him sort of cut through a lot of the stuff where the people are always going, oh, he's too left or she's too conservative. People aren't making those evaluations. They're sort of making evaluations. Is this person good? Is this person someone who I can feel comfortable with running our country? And I think Bernie came off as someone who is a compassionate person who also 
Uh, so so I, I think they both won, and, and the big winner, as I think Mother Jones may have pointed out, was progressive issues and progressives and really having an agenda that is a bit different than what we have heard in a number of presidential cycles. You know what else was a big winner is that our stage of monkeys uh, is definitely um, not like their stage of monkeys. They're I mean, not racist. They're, they're not sexist. Well, they're, well, 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 I'll, well okay. let's, let's All right. not I'll go back. Let's, I mean, let's yeah, not completely. Uh, okay. I take that back. Keep. Uh, highly problematic. No. <laughs> it's not highly, but you know, I mean, we we are talking about the important issues. There was no yeah. name calling. There was no fighting. There was some weirdness because there's always some weirdness. You got to have a little weird in there, Jim Webb. Thanks. <laughs> um, but there was just not that sort of sense of disarray and crazy that the Republicans have on stage. And really, that as a Democratic operative, as you like to call me. Um, Makes me really happy for once, because that has not been the case in past election cycles for us. <laughs> yeah, and the problem, racism and sexism are gradations, so right. there's no perfect purity. But let's do some clear tests, like there's no discussion, there's no denial of global warming or evolution. Uh, or the theory of relativity or any other scientific facts, right? We can bring up Black Lives Matter and right. there isn't a... Not freak and out. We can say right. that we can say that Black Lives Matter, right. which they can't bring themselves to say for some reason. Uh, just you can, yes. you can ponder that. Uh, they don't think Benghazi is a, is a major scandal. They don't compete over which one can incinerate the Iran agreement to, by what means more quickly, uh, the, day, the, the hour that they're inaugurated in office. Uh, they don't think that the Mexicans are going to build a wall. Or Canada. Uh, <laughs> or, can or that we should have one in Canada that will cross Lake Superior or come somewhere near the Madeline Islands. They right? also <laughs> don't have a lengthy list of on day one of all of the things they are going to On day back. one, I'm going to. It's going to be a long day one for Republicans. Anyway. So interesting. It's good that the Democrats got off and we're, we're having a, a substantive conversation. So we'll continue to, to watch the presidential debate as it goes forward. One thing, we're going to wrap this podcast up for time. We do want to point out, we want to talk more in the future here about spring elections that'll be coming in 2016. And here in Milwaukee, at least one of the first shoe dropped on that. And that is that Senator Chris Larson has announced he will be running against uh, Chris Abley from Milwaukee County Executive, which should provide a very interesting county executive race here in Milwaukee. We will certainly talk more about that as we go forward. Jorna? I'm going to be voting for Chris. There you go. Jorna is going to be voting for Chris. So Chris, very good. Uh, I plan on voting for Chris, too. In all, I, I predict a Chris will be county executive. I, I do, too. Okay. There we go. So Chris, Chris is winning. Chris for county exec. Chris. All right. So with that, we will talk more about that race as we go forward. Um, before we get to the furloughs, we want to mention that we are going to have our seventh annual microbrew fundraiser. This year it is not in Robert's basement. Speaking of, <laughs> speaking of furloughs, yes, the microbrew fundraiser. So it is going to be a Wednesday, November 18th, and we really hope you can make it. It's going to be at Brenner Brewing. We want to thank Brenner Brewing for agreeing to help us out with the event. It starts at 5 p.m., and Brenner Brewing is on South 5th Street here in Milwaukee. We'll have stuff up on our website. Please sign up. You can be a supporter, sponsor. If you do $50 supporter, you get a mug, or you get a, excuse me, a pint glass, a Citizen Action pint glass. So, and Robert wants me to point out that there will be a silent auction. So, and included in that auction, you get to win a date with Robert. So, please make sure you come. That, that is, is my favorite. <laughs> that is my favorite yes. topic. And I'm really glad Robert reminded me of that. So, 
Make sure you come. Um, and by the way, start recruiting people to come and, and win and a date in. with Robert that's for not, one night. That's not on. He is but, available. That's not on, but what is on is a two-hour lunch with Matt. Excellent. I will, I, I will do that. I will do a two-hour lunch if Robert does the date. So, Jorna, what are you doing this weekend oh when you're not hooking Robert up with dates? I have now launched a whole new campaign for myself. <laughs> um, I am going to go to Door County to peep some leaves while riding my fabulous horse, Reno. Well, good. I hope you bring your ice scraper with you. It's going <laughs> no to be, be a lovely cold. weekend. Robert, what will you do when you finish scraping off your car? I only have two words. Cubs win. Oh, oh ouch. Hell. Yeah, see, we're already annoyed by the Cubs. We thought we hated the Cardinals, and it only took us a day. That's a shout-out to you, Joel Gratz. I noticed yes. you've taken about all the Cubs love you can, sure you can have. You listen to the podcast. Yeah, well, I hopefully will be in Indianapolis racing this weekend with my son, and uh, very much looking forward to it. Also, um, I, tonight I'm going to go to the Rufus King Riverside football game. Should be, should be a good game. So with that, we want to thank Brian Woldridge, who makes the podcast happen every week. And of course, we want to thank Jay Heck for joining us earlier. And we will see everybody here at the Battleground, Wisconsin. 